8.05 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program now underway. Cat, uh, Jamie, and Asia Youngman, the co-directors of I'm Just Here for the Riot, the new ESPN 30 for 30 sports documentary, which is going to be shown twice at the upcoming Vancouver International Film Festival. They're going to join us in just a moment here to kick off Hour 3. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. To the phone lines we go. Joining us now once again to talk about uh, their new upcoming sports documentary, I'm Just Here for the Riot, Kat Jamie and Asia Youngman here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Kat, Asia, good morning. How are you both? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I remember we did this last time. It was a delicate dance. We have four people talking <laughs> all at the same time. So we'll do our best to navigate this. I might just direct questions to everyone. I so, believe in that. You can do it. Okay. I think we can pull it together. This is good. So, um, you know, we were talking prior to the break about how this film is going to be viewed by an audience that maybe doesn't necessarily know the story. And then people locally who know the story and maybe don't necessarily want to relive it. I've got to ask, you know, this has been described as the first smartphone riot. And I know that you both poured over like hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours of footage to get, you know, what you wanted in the film and who you wanted to talk to. How much pushback did you guys receive from certain individuals who wanted no part of reliving this incident? Mm-hmm. Uh, Asia, do you want to take this one or do you want me to <laughs> go for it? Um, you know, we, Asia and I spent, uh, we had a great team behind, you know, behind us and we reached out to a bunch of people, um, who, you know, some who were involved in the riot and surprisingly there were, you know, there were people, there were those who were actually really excited about the project and wanted you know, uh, we're excited about the opportunity to share their story um, and be a part of the, the the film. And you know, there are other people who you know obviously left us unread as well, and and a few others who you know it took a lot of time for Asia and I to build that trust um, and for them to agree to be you know to be part of the film. Uh, Kat, I know in your previous films, there was always the element of the chase, right? Like chasing big country, mm-hmm. tracking down Steve Francis in the second one. You know, there's always been that element of landing that guest that's really going to tie the whole thing together. Without giving away too much of the documentary, can you let our listeners know either who was the toughest person to track down, toughest person to get on camera? What was the toughest chase in making this film? Um... Yeah, I guess, and maybe you can chime in here too. I mean, we don't want to, you know, uh, definitely we want people to come to, uh, yeah, you know, no spoilers. shootings at this. But, you know, there were, the toughest one, you know, it, there was a range. There's definitely a range of people who we reached out, um, but obviously those who, you know, participated in the riot, those were the ones that were, um, you know, some of them were, were difficult interviews to, to chase and to get. What's this documentary about? Is it about how this riot started or is it about the impact that the riot had on the people that participated and the fact that a lot of them maybe naively 
uh, were filming the whole thing and not afraid. That I mean, that was what struck me. I mean, Mike and I, again, we're, we were at the game. So we came out and we had our phones out because we worked for the newspaper at the time. And we're like, we're going to get some footage of this. And people were just so unafraid of having their faces seen. And I remember, you know, uh, I did, you know what is one clear memory for me, Halford, is that there was this girl who was probably about 16 or 17, and she walked by, and I could hear her tell her friends, this is so awesome. And I was like, okay, you're going to regret everything that's going on here. But for then, it was just like they were caught up mm-hmm. in it. And I imagine that part of it, I guess, is going and interviewing these people and saying, like, first of all, what were you thinking? And second of all, how has this affected your life? Mm-hmm. It's certainly a little bit of both. I think it's important that we understand why this happened because, of course, it didn't just happen in 2011. It also happened in 1994. But we also really look at you know the social media angle of it because I think that's what makes the 2011 riots so unique. So we're exploring themes like public shaming, social surveillance, and really just digging deeper into looking at our own relationships with social media um, and hopefully getting audiences to question, you know, how they want to move forward um, with their own social media relationships. Uh, Asia, when you were pitching this idea and the concept for the film, uh, how many broadcasters did you go to before it finally got greenlit? So many. <laughs> I think Kat and I pitched to, I want to say every broadcaster in Canada, and everyone said no to us. <laughs> and at that point, you know, we were like, well, what else are we going to do? Like, maybe we can talk to someone in the States and ESPN was always a dream for us. So, you know, we met with them, we pitched the idea and they agreed to come on board. So uh, Kat, <laughs> when they were turning it down, what were the reasons that they were giving it? Was, was there ever an element of, we just don't want to relitigate this particular moment? Um, you know what? That's a great question. I, I don't know if we necessarily got like, got like feedback as to why we were, we were being turned down. Okay. Of course, you know, in, in 2011, I, I feel like, um, I, I think many people had the, you know, this is, we're not the only ones to, you know, kind of think of making this film. But I think enough time has had passed, at least for ESPN to get on board. Um, but, you know, earlier on, um, I, I don't think uh, people wanted, um, you know, the story to be told. And, you know, in many ways, Asia and I felt like the story kind of gets kind of got swept under the rug. And so, you know, it's been over a decade and we've never, we felt that we've, that we've never really had a proper discussion about what happened. And of course, as Asia said, this is the second time this has happened in Vancouver. And so, you know, what is it? And, you know, through our research, we also found out that um, in a in a research done over um, looking at over 100 uh, sports riots in North America, Vancouver is the only city to riot after a loss. Because mm-hmm. usually it's, it's actually jubilation that turns into a riot. So you win, everyone gets excited, and then that turns into a riot. But for some reason, um, you know, what is it about Vancouver that, you know, that was one of the questions that Asia and I really wanted to to look at when making this film. Uh, but, yeah, so I, yeah, so I don't know why we got turned down, um, but or at least I don't remember. Maybe I blocked that out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you only need that one yes, and thankfully it was ESPN 30 for 30. Uh, at the time, uh, Gregor Robinson was the mayor and Jim Chu was uh, the chief of police in Vancouver. Did you speak to them at all? We spoke with both of them. Um, we did interview Jim Chu, so he's featured in the film. 
Um, and we did speak with Gregor Robertson a bit um, in a pre-interview, but we didn't decide to interview him. Um, does it, does any of the documentary get into the blame for why this happened? Because I know politically, uh, Robertson and Chu were both like, this isn't my fault. And I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. well, whose responsibility is it then? I'm still I'm still mad about this if you can't tell. Like I'm still upset. It's 12 years later and I'm just like I'm like did anyone pay a political price for this? Like this is ridiculous. Invite all these people downtown and like you know they're going to be drinking all day. It's a beautiful summer day and like come on downtown. Vancouver's mm-hmm. a fun city now. Look how successful the Olympics were. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile in Boston they're like do not come downtown, right? Like mm-hmm. we know like this is this is a this is a this is what this is how riots start. This is how sports riots are. You put a bunch of people in a in a confined area, give them ton of booze and this is what happens. Mhm. You're not alone. I think a lot of audience members in Vancouver feel the same way and are going to feel the same way when they watch the film. Um, But we don't necessarily point fingers, I would say, in the film. Like, we we tried our best, just like as documentary filmmakers, to kind of leave it unbiased and, you know, leave it up to the audience's side for themselves. But we do explore a lot of various perspectives as to why this happened. So there may be a little bit of finger pointing between some of the people we interviewed but not necessarily coming from our own perspective um i do have to ask you both about what it was like working with espn films because the 30 for 30 series has been such a huge success for them and some of the Mm -hmm. works that it produced have been great what was it like i get like the resources the production team and everything getting to work with espn films um i mean it was yeah definitely it was such a dream for asia and i kind of where we you know the dream place we wanted to have this film end up in um they they were so great very supportive um really it was really cool to work with them because they really put asian and i like our vision like first and foremost it was sort of like you guys lead the way um so no it was such a, a treat to to work with them and of course we also had a you know our own our team here in vancouver um you know definitely not just asia and i doing all the work um, we had a great producing team, great editing team, and research team, because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of archival that we had to go through. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Asia, do if you want to add anything to that. No, I think you answered it all. Like Kat said, it was really a dream come true. And you know, when we first met and talked about the project, we were like, ESPN would be the dream, but it just felt out of reach. And so to kind of have that, you know happened for us it was really exciting and we're just really proud of the film and proud that we got to work with ESPN on it I'm just here for the riot two showings at the upcoming Vancouver Film Festival uh, Monday October 2nd 6 30 at the Vancouver Playhouse and then Thursday October 5th 8 45 at the Park Theater tickets available at viff.org before we let you go we did have a question come in people want to know after the film festival is over what the schedule is going to be like the release and the viewing for the documentary uh, can you let our listeners know We have a few upcoming screenings because we're just in the midst of our film festival circuit, but the film will also be airing on ESPN next summer as well. Excellent. Kat, uh, Asia, thank you very much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Best of luck with everything at VIF and moving forward. And uh, once again, thanks. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's Kat, Jamie, and Asia Youngman, the co-directors of the new ESPN 30 for 30. I'm just here for the riot. Uh, Again, Monday, October 2nd, Thursday, October 5th. Uh, it is... What? I'm sorry. I'm just reading some of the texts coming in. Tickets available at viff.org. This text, what about the group of anarchist groups that came up and planned the riots beforehand? Do you still believe that, my friend? Oh, man.
You still believe that anarchists were responsible for the riot? Why do we amplify our worst? No, what? Well, we should. Okay, is there is was the mayor our worst then? Because that's exactly what he said. It was anarchists. Yeah, I was like, not oh really? It, it's not saying it twelve years after the fact. Unless this is a, a is it, maybe this is sarcastic. I don't know. Maybe he's being clever. Said texter, hey, look, the visceral reaction that we're getting from people right now that they're saying, ah, uh, this is. I want no part of this. This doesn't need to be relived. It was a dark moment. We shouldn't be even discussing this. I think that's great because that's a that's something that's drawn a visceral reaction for people. A lot of don't a lot of people don't have those kind of reactions anymore. I just got a text from a long t- a friend of mine who's a longtime member of the VPD, okay. and he said Gregor wanted a party, and the VPD got caught holding the bag. Basically. So yeah. Greg, Gregor wanted, he invited all these people to, again, I keep saying this because like, it's insanity to me, especially after we had a riot in 1994. And I think Robertson said, well, I didn't read that riot report. Oh, you should have, because it didn't go well. And then he said, okay, come on down. We're going to have a big screen set up. And frankly, it was a terrific spectacle. Like if you see the uh, shots of the crowd, um, you know, before the game, and we were downtown. We were just like, oh, my God, this is incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many people downtown. And then you're also like, wow, there are so many people downtown. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, the barricades meant nothing. Like, there was no, uh, there was no like, okay, we've got a limited amount of people that we're going to allow into this area. Yeah. yeah. Right? It was like, the light poles? They did not grease the light poles. I mean, that's the number one way to uh, avoid rioting, really. Well, well they like didn't I, remove well, some of the cars from the streets, too. And then you're like, okay, well... <laughs> That car there is going to get damaged. Yeah. Did he right? put out enough police as well? Because I, mean, I remember that was one of my first reactions when I was watching all the footage. It was like, where are all the cops? Like, yeah. I'm sure they're they're out there mm-hmm. doing their work. Well, I but think it seemed they, like there were so few compared to the mass of people. that were, I, I just felt bad. It was I, like, man. Well, they did have to call in reinforcements when it started yeah. to kick off. Um, but I also remember, like, I think the police at one point just had to regroup. Yeah. They were like, okay, guys, like, we got to regroup. We, we're losing control of this. Mm-hmm. At any rate. Listen, I'll, pro- I'll probably see see the documentary, but I'm gonna be watching it with gritted teeth. Like I don't believe in, I don't believe in just like this makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, right? that's ridiculous. I think, I think that's a real problem in our society, frankly. Like this book makes me uncomfortable. Let's ban it from libraries, Why? regardless of the side you're on politically. Right? Like it's just it's a silly way to live. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, just because someone says something that makes you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that's exactly what like this comes down it's, to. It's, 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 it's a weakness of, of our society these days. I really. hate, I hate paraphrasing John Tortorella, but sometimes you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think it's an, I think, and I think it goes hand in hand with having some level of intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. and not necessarily being siloed off or being tribal. And I know I'm getting a real big picture here, but again, if there's this kind of reaction to something that happened 12 years ago where it's still fresh and raw and really, um, I would say, underexplored, yeah. not necessarily digested. Politically, it was swept under the rug. I think that that bears going through. If it is an uncomfortable situation, I mean, some of the texts that are coming in right now it's remarkable. I am I am actually kind of surprised for once 
Troy, the former bread guy, makes a good point. 99% of North America not in Vancouver. Filmmakers' audience is also that. So I'm sure they're, that's kept in mind. Like, a good chunk of the people that hopefully will be watching this documentary on ESPN will not be Canucks fans, will not be from here, will not know the story. I think that's a good point. And will want to know what happened, guys, right? It, it is fascinating from a cell phone perspective. And, again, Mike and I were... In the middle of it, we really were. We weren't participating, but we were in the middle. We were covering our. My, uh, I t- said the story like my car was parked fifty feet from a burning cop car, and there were young people out there that were filming themselves. It wasn't like a gotcha thing. It was like I'm going to film this, um, or I'm actually going to like if someone else is filming me, I'm not going to be like, hey, don't film me. And there were people there, young people that were like. Watch me set this police car on fire. Like, that is a fascinating look into mob mentality when these young people, and most of them were young people, were like, film me doing this. Well, it was like, just, it was, what are the consequences of well, doing this? Do you think this was might the go rise, up on social media? That, well, that was it, though. That it was that was the rise of social media at that moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of people doing it were like, "Well, this I'm not going to get in trouble." And then they see the power of social media mm-hmm. after the fact. Oh my god, goodness! Like my face is plastered all over the internet now. Compare the footage we got in 1994 from the riots to the footage that we've got in 2011. Oh, 1994, there was like day. it was like you know like BCTV, get your yeah. cameras out there, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know like there was no one out yeah, yeah, there with totally like different. a with like a Big, one of those big cameras that you used to have for like family videos or whatever. It was 1994. It was like we have, I think you all, we all probably know like the three or four images from that riot that are in our heads. 2011, like you can go onto YouTube right now and find literally thousands. Yeah. And that's why the police investigation of that was like, okay, well, a lot of you are making this very easy for us. Someone just texted in, banning books and choosing not to watch this documentary are not comparable in the slightest. So we've reached that part of the discourse. Oh, I think on. it's time Come on. to go to break. And let's just take a deep breath, everybody. Uh, there's lots more to go on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. I have, I'm going to own up to something else here. Not riot related, but uh, I have been remiss in mentioning that we are giving away a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler perform stand-up comedy on October 12th at Rogers Arena. It kicks off his new North American tour. We've been giving away tickets every day. We're going to continue that practice today. Next on What We Learned. All you have to do is send a What We Learned into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. 650-650. Hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Add a ticket emoji into that text. You will be entered into the grand prize draw. For a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler on Thursday, October 12th, kick off, yes, kick off his North American tour in Vancouver at Rogers Arena. We'll do some What We Learns as well. That's all coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.30 on a Wednesday. 
Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. One nice thing about doing this show live, unscripted, with real-time reactions, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a bag of candy with nails in it. You just have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> it's it's exhilarating, sometimes depressing, but it's always unique. I'll say that. And I thank you all, even the dumb ones, I thank you all for listening <laughs> every reminds, day. Reminds me of the, of the sign at, outside of the bookstore right by our work. It has, they have a big sign that says, Read Banned Books. Those, yeah. those are the books you got to read. If mm-hmm. they're banned, those are the ones you read. I, I have a sign that says, stupid babies need the most attention. <laughs> and it's very apropos. But anyway, thank you all for I, listening to I, the Halford and Bruff Show. I mostly enjoy, I think the, the, the f- most frustrating textures are the black and white textures. Like they just like see one side and that's it. Yeah, nuance is lost. Like completely like, so, so this one guy is just like, the only people that deserve blame are the rioters. So I'm like, oh, okay, so... So when the police chief uh, interviews for the job and they ask him something like, what do you think about crowd control? And he's like, bah. Crowd's <laughs> no, got, no, no, not no, my responsibility. They'll figure it out. Yeah. They'll work it out. Says yeah. it right in the name. The crowd's yeah. got to control itself. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I'm like, and, and then the people that have like no sense of like empathy for the people, um, like they don't understand even the idea of like those young people making these horrible mistakes and then having to pay for it the rest of their lives, right? Like there's just no, well, they did it. Like, and that's, and that's it. Like these people apparently threw an absolutely perfect game when they were young, just absolutely didn't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to admire that, right? You live all the way to your what, 18 years old. No mistakes, none. There's hardly ever any. Per- none. Well, how many perfect games have there been? Twenty seven. Yeah, like but that? all these people like threw absolute perfect games as young people. That the is amazing. Pe- the honest people are texting and being like, you know what? Uh, this is, you know, t- uh, some of them are going to be in their late twenties or early thirties now, and be like, they've texted in and said, you know, like, listen, when I was that age, I, I thought the whole thing was cool. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Now I look back as an adult who's learned something in this world and gone, you know what? That was embarrassing. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what we learns, uh, the round table here, Laddie, A-Dog, Halford, Bruff. Uh, who would like to begin? If no one wants to go right away, I can go first because I wanted, I want to do the Yusei Kikuchi. He wants to do the Yusei Kikuchi. <laughs> Greg wants to do the Yusei Kikuchi. Even it, Andy uh, wants to do Let's it. make this show a little more fun now. It, so, it made me smile when I, when I heard it. Uh, we have not talked about the Blue Jays once on this show today. Yeah, they're just, winning all of a sudden. Then the the talk just dries up. I wonder wonder why that happens, guys. They're yeah. the baseball team, right? Yes, that's one. <laughs> yes, two. Uh, Laddie is wearing a shirt that can only be described as the '90s splattered on the front of a hoodie. Yeah, Blue Jay style. I think that was signed by Eric Hinsky. Yeah, no, earlier. That's a Kelly Gruber. Uh, even worse, it was designed by Alec Manoa. Oh. <laughs> my favorite Buffalo Bison. <laughs> okay. Focus, hey. focus, focus. Yesterday, a bunch of stuff happened for the Jays. Uh, they beat the Yankees 7-1, so that was good. Bo Bichette had a great night at the plate, much needed. George Springer 
celebrated his 34th birthday. Happy belated birthday to George Springer. And he did it in style with his 57th career leadoff homer. He only trails Ricky Henderson now for all-time leadoff He's HR. about to be passed by Acuna, though, in about a year. Yeah, that's true. Good point. And we got this really interesting anecdote about the starting pitcher for the Jays, Yusei Kikuchi, who was pulled as a precaution one batter into the sixth inning because of a muscle cramp. And why did he get this muscle cramp? Well, <laughs> according to the Athletics' Caitlin McGrath, Kikuchi figures he's Okay, first off, he's going to be okay for his next start. It was just a cramp. Then they asked, why did you get a cramp? And he said, it's because I might not have gotten my usual night's sleep. He then went on to explain that he only got 11 hours of sleep, which begs the question, well, if 11 is less than normal, how much do you sleep a night? 13 to 14 hours this guy sleeps on a nightly basis. So his schedule is 11 p.m. to 1 p.m. He doesn't see the a.m. How apparently. is this even that possible? Is incredible, and I'm so jealous. I don't, I, I don't use the word hero very often, but I just want to throw this out oh there. Oh, boy, sleep. That's where I'm a Viking. How does he sleep this much? He has a young child too, which is how. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't oh, know. to be rich, you're like, oh, the, uh, the housekeeper will take care. I, of her I have that. definitely done the 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. mini, or the other way around, 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Probably times. done the other, the, the reverse yeah, yeah, and the yeah. inverse. I've done both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it, you could do it. It's possible. Did you ever like when you were uh, speaking of being young? Yeah. Um, when your 20s, when you had like a big night out, and maybe you came in at like three or four in the morning, and you were not sober, and you did not fall asleep so much as pass out. Did you ever wake up the next day and like look at the clock and you were so confused because yeah. it said like four o'clock and you're like, wait a minute. You thought what you slept day the whole day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I have slept the No, me the too. Day. Oh, the worst incredible. is when you go to bed, it's dark out and you wake up and it's dark yeah. out and you're like, <laughs> what? Where? Did I miss a day? Like, Mind did I sleep for 24 time. hours? When did the bed so hungry? Yeah. Is that like hour 11 or 12? I feel like you need to be flipped. Um, un- underrated poverty move in college uh, when you s- wake up and it's, still breakfast time and you're like but if i just crank out a few more hours sleep i'll get to lunch and thereby i'll skip a meal for the day i don't have to buy any food i don't have right, to go and get anything. that yeah that's just good economics right there that's the intermittent fasting of a person that you just <laughs> yeah you just sleep through it right <laughs> combining intermittent fasting and being poor <laughs> all at the same time okay uh so he's gonna live till he's like 100 right <laughs> Well, I do not. Like, uh, Roger Federer has a ridiculous sleep schedule as well. Really? Yeah. He's, what, what does he sleep? God, he was, he's he like was in town. Te- he was in town. Yeah, he's in town right he now. He still is right now. Yeah. He, he's like a thirteen-hour-a-night guy. Oh man, he goes to yeah. And uh, I know Tom Brady, who at this point is more of a meme than a human, but yeah. Tom Brady has one of those like I, I well, it's eight thirty, and mm-hmm. I, I know there's anecdotes from his <laughs> ex-wife, which was like they'll have people over at the house. He left a game be, once, right? He'll be like, "Good evening, it is time for me to <laughs> exit to my sleep." I feel chamber. like he's wearing a kimono at the time. <laughs> like I feel, you know, when Tom Brady, you talk to Tom Brady, and he's like, "Oh, it's time for my monthly cheat meal. I'm going to have an eighth of an avocado and then go to bed." And you're like, "It's six thirty. What is happening with your life right now?" Do you know I actually got the TB12 method out of the library? Oh, what? yeah, his book. Yeah, I know, like, but to follow it or is it? No, 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 to read gag? it. But I haven't. But I haven't been able to like. I. It's on. It's on Ruffles my like, gaunt every day. Yeah, it's on my. It's on my bedside <laughs> Dude, are you table, okay? and I just like <laughs> you look I, awful. 
I can't bring myself to like flip the book open and start like get right. started. Are you gonna you rent know? eighty like, for Brady next? Or I'm gonna be like, God, my muscles aren't supple enough. Yeah. He, now all he does is drink water and people stretch. on the stream That's are like, it. who's that skeleton in the corner? There? <laughs> I mean, he does look great. Which he is does. Fair. Hey, take care of yourself. Uh, so does Federer. Yeah. Federer looks like the most content person in the world. Mm-hmm. He's very well. You've got 13 hours of sleep before? Yeah. You and look you're just like, like, what's... Like, the, the millions imagine? of dollars probably. We should, someone should have asked him in the press conference, like, what's something, like, what's a challenge in your life, Roger? <laughs> what's hard for you? Yes. Certainly isn't like, tennis. Yeah. N- nothing. I'm too rich for challenges. <laughs> I, pay, yeah. I pay people to deal yeah. with the Look challenges. at this face. You think this has challenges? Yeah. Not a one. Yeah, Roger Federer's even got his own sneakers now. And they're they're actually really nice. I know. I He's got them. it all. Biggest challenge is swimming out of his money pit every morning. Okay, Moo Cow. The, co- the coins do get heavy, though. They pile that's up. true. I just imagine all rich people are like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, that's exactly point. what it is. Yeah. Is it not like that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never had a chance. I just explained how I used to sleep to avoid buying meals, so I don't <laughs> have the money pit problem. Uh, does anyone else want to go here? Do you want to jump to the humanoids? I think we can jump right to the humanoids. Fire up the dot matrix. What We Learned Humanoid Edition brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Andy, I'll give you a chance to get the winner of the Adam Sandler tickets ready. Jason's got one to go for What We Learned, so we'll do Jason's. And then we will announce the winner of tickets to see Adam Sandler do stand-up in Vancouver at Rogers Arena on October the 12th. Uh, Troy, the former bread guy, texts in with what we learned. The trendy new sweetener is, in, is it Stevia or Stevia. Asper, Aspartame? It's Canucks draft picks. Yeah, you can actually put those in your coffee now. Zero calories. <laughs> Zero calories. Um, wasn't Steve, you, you didn't watch Breaking Bad? Uh, I did watch I did. Breaking Bad, yeah. Stevia was yeah. why he replaced the rice and... Right? It was supposed yeah. to be Stevie. Like, that Stevia crap you're always putting in your tea. Correct. God, I don't remember all the details of Breaking Bad. It was quite a roller coaster. Go back. A, watch it again. There was a lot that happened. I bet. I bet I've been to that show like at least five times now. I bet if I did go back and watch that show, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I forgot about when that plane crashed. Yeah. He yeah. threw the pizza up on the roof in one take, no less. That's true. Yeah. He yeah. nailed it. First take. Yeah. I, I do. That was. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Yeah, no, I've, I'm just thinking back to the scene now because it's it's hilarious. So good. Because he actually channeled his Malcolm in the Middle angry, yeah. uh, frustrated dad moment. He was so funny in Malcolm in yeah, the Middle. He really was. Do you and, remember? And Seinfeld, too. Did, did, that show holds oh, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. Do, 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 do people watch Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah. The funniest episode was when, uh, so what was his name? Was it Hal? Hal, yeah. Okay, so when he, when he got caught, um, like he had to admit that every Friday... He didn't go to work, and he just like went to an amusement park oh, or anything right. like that. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, that was incredible. Like for for You've years, mentioned this episode for, before. Yeah, it for is funny. years he just like he just like I just needed some time alone, and he'd go to like ride roller coasters and that sort of thing. That was incredible. All time, uh, one of the best TV characters. Uh, oh. Surrey Ryan with a what we learned hashtag WW what we learned. We talked about this at the break. Uh, Riot twenty eleven. Flashbang to the nuts will never get old. Yeah, there are some. Oh my groin! <laughs> there are some characters from right. I just like when I would yeah. have done. Mine would have been like the twenty-year high school reunion. Where are they now? That's how I would have done the. Imagine if that's how right. what you were known for. Like, oh, it's Flashbang to the nuts guy. Yeah, you still still known for that. And he has to wear like, a name tag ah, to the reunion. My groin. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, are you? And then you look squint at his name tag. It's like, by God, it is flashbang to the nuts guy. <laughs> How the hell are you? 
He's like, and no children. <laughs> I decided not to have them. It was my choice. Been recovering nicely. <laughs> Keith the water guy. What we learned, the Canucks still have a need for some hard-nosed truculence. Happy Gilmore would look great on the fourth line. Good try, Keith the water guy. Bringing in Adam Sandler. Uh, do we have the winner? Do we read the winner? Andy, Got take it. it away. Uh, my ex in Burnaby keeps asking me to come down from the Okanagan to visit. I let her know if I get tickets to Sandler, I'd come. She asked... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Did I used to get dolly walls? <laughs> uh, she asked that dolly I purchase them. I said, gasp, I don't have that kind of money. I don't have any long-lost rich relatives who passed and left me billions. Therefore, our only hope for a happy reunion mm-hmm. is to win tickets. Congrats, nice. Devin. You're the winner. Nice. Even though that first part with the X, may, may get me fired. <laughs> I could be a steamy night. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So that's a Mr. Jeeds reference, right? Just so we're clear. It, yes. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Bla- blazing over your very awkward reading of that text. <laughs> I was that's reading it verbatim, which is my fault. Yeah. That's a, okay. What's a Mr. Jeeds reference? I missed it. Inheriting. Inheriting the, of the riches. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how expensive are these tickets? <laughs> Good pull. Good pull. Um does anyone have any extra Coldplay tickets that they're willing to give me? I hope we get some. I, I don't think go. we're going to. I've been looking at prices, and they're like three, 300 bucks to I get know. in the door. And I actually wouldn't mind sitting at the top of the stadium for that, but I'd just like to go. It's amazing. It looks like it's it, like, so good live. Yeah, so, like it so looks good. like it's going to be an awesome show. I'll tell the story again. I took two of my metalhead buddies who hate Coldplay right. to a show, yeah. Yeah. and at the end of the show, they're like, "That was phenomenal." They're crying. They're just like built for a live show. When it's one of those kinds of bands. Fix you. I felt fixed. Seriously, <laughs> fix yeah. you live. Fix you live is yeah. mind blowing. It is a good show. Speaking of tickets, <laughs> Laddie won tickets. To, to my go, favorite artist, to Matthew go, Good. So here's the great... Okay, so... <laughs> Tell this story. In the time that I've known Andy, one thing with his music I, has been, like, very, very consistent, and that is that Matthew Good all is time. your favorite musician of all time. Yeah. Them and Alexis on Fire vie for the top. But right. Matthew, Matthew Good band specifically, but him as a solo artist still. Love so him. So Laddie wins tickets to go see Matthew Good. Well, I'll take a dog. I'll be I'll great. I'll take a dog. This will be great. It's his favorite. No, it's a weeknight. <laughs> it's a Thursday night. He said no. Cuts into my 14 hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's two people Laddie really wanted to take. It was Andy and you say Kikucha, and they both turned him down because they First needed sleep. sleep. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't. I, I don't know what to say. I'm just. I'm an. I'm an old now. You know he's gonna. He's gonna end the show a little bit early because it's a Thursday, right? He's I not don't gonna go till midnight. I don't want to risk it. Uh, Mike, the bus driver. What we learned. Canucks fans are a lot like the town of Springfield. We want cap space and to make room for the young winners, uh, young wingers. Uh, but when management makes the trade, we criticize it and complain. Give us hell, Quimby. Yeah, I thought he was going to say the Canucks are a lot like the town of Springfield. There's been a tire fire burning for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was right there. Yeah. So this the, the Canucks are the elevator to nowhere. <laughs> Whoa. So, oh, another season. Whoa. <laughs> So this is this is in reference to uh, the elevators. The first ten games. Yeah. <laughs> so you you put this in the notes yesterday. This is akin to uh, I don't like his Bart killing policy, but I am on board with his Selma killing policy. Yeah, right? this is it. Mm-hmm. It's a great choice that we, we have. are your home of the Canucks. <laughs> I, 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 I get the people that that um, I, I mean I I kind of feel bad for them because they're just like. Their obsession with the Canucks is ruining their lives, right? Like they, they're just like, even if we make the playoffs, it's not going to be like, where are we going to go? We're never going to win a cup with mm-hmm. this group. And I understand it. I agree with it. 
Um, in some ways, I've just learned to. Um, <laughs> God, we're gonna get all self helpy now. It's like I've learned that I have no control over the situation, right? Is so that from the TB twelve book. No, that was about muscle uh, suppleness, I think. Okay. But like, if if like all these people that are still kind of screaming for, for lack of a better way, like a full on rebuild. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, like if. If this ownership group was ever going to listen to those people, they would have already, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. Like this group, this team under this ownership group has really never done the type of aggressive rebuild. Mm -hmm. So I've just stopped expecting it. Accept your reality. You know, now some people might just be like, you've given up. Like you need to fight hard in these situations. And I'm like, yeah, it's not worth it for me. I got so many other things to do. You know, like, but we will keep mentioning. Like, I, I do, I do agree with the people that say, um, like, I find it very difficult to picture a path to winning a Stanley Cup with this group. I do. Sure. Right. I think they need. Um, I think they need another great piece. I find that. Like, I'm- I, I just do. Like, I just they need another one. I find that I'm so inherently skeptical that sometimes it's nice to just be like, eh, hope and a prayer. You know, just get in and see what happens. Am I delusional? Potentially. Does it feel good? Absolutely. Mark making an Americano. That's a good handle with a what we learned. Hashtag WWL what we learned. The Riot documentary is coming out at the perfect time if people are reacting to its release. That's what a documentary is supposed to do. Exactly. Create conversation. And change perspectives. Uh, Mark, hopefully you are now consuming the Americano. Um, I think maybe we might have overamplified the people that wanted no part of this or were like, this doesn't need to be made. Because as I understand it, uh, the first viewing at the Vancouver International Film Festival is already sold out. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of people with a lot of interest in it. Um, I just think that there was a loud minority, believe it or not... <laughs> Texting into a sports talk radio show that lacked the intellectual curiosity to say, yeah, I'm willing to explore something that maybe doesn't give me the dopamine and makes me feel happy. I I hope that there's not like so much interest in the riot documentary that hundreds of people or thousands of people show up without tickets and then things get a little out of control out of the theater and you realize that there's no police there and then, you know. One window gets broken, and wouldn't it like, be the? Wouldn't like, it be? I hope the, that doesn't happen. Wouldn't it be the ultimate irony? <laughs> Alanis Morissette would write songs about that. Speaking of songs, uh, unsigned. What we learned: rumors are swirling that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are dating. I wonder how her new breakup song is going. What what her new uh, breakup song is going to sound like? Yeah, listen. Like I don't consider myself in the know when it comes to like Taylor Swift and her songs, but it seems like a lot of her songs are about breakups. And people are like that song's about so and so, right? Yep. Um, did, you, did you watch the Chiefs game on the weekend? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, so Ian Eagle, who is obviously a pop culture aficionado. When Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown by eluding a pair of defenders and finding uh, an open pocket in mm-hmm. the end zone, uh, Ian Eagle said that Travis Kelsey found a blank space and scored the touchdown. Yeah, which see, I, I, I would have been clever. like, I don't get that. That is, a, he's the problem. It's him. I, I would have understood if he either. made a reference like, and he's hungry like the wolf. <laughs> 
That's a Darian Duran oh, reference, right? You slide yeah. out there like Iron Eagle. Mm. <laughs> Ruff's like, oh, yeah. It's not even a song. It's just a movie from 1983. Uh, okay, I got one here from Oz in Squamish. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Tosaint Ricketts is the reason Junior Hoylett, Sam Atacubi, and Richie Larea signed in Vancouver. He's done a great job reconnecting the team to the community and was a great guy on and off the pitch for the club. You guys should bring him on to talk about everything he's been doing since retirement. I agree. Can we please get a chase out for Tosaint Ricketts? Because after serving as a player for the Vancouver Whitecaps, he kind of had this multifaceted quasi public relations, community relations, but he's basically like an ambassador for the team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what is How does that even work? Right. It's kind of, you know, I know like Drake was an ambassador for the, the Raptors, which included going to Raptors games, as far as I could tell. Right. Yeah. I'm like, what is this exactly? Cause I kind of knew toss a little bit. I'd met him once and really outgoing, really engaging guy was great for uh, the world cup broadcasts, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know what the job entailed. And, Junior Hoylett, who just joined the team, basically said, yeah, part of the reason I'm here, a big reason that I'm here is because Toss kind of said, hey, we're building something here. We've got an opportunity to join something. There's an obvious connection because he played, Ricketts played for the Canadian men's national team for a long time, right? Dedicated guy. And now, not coincidentally, you've got all these Canadian internationals joining the team and they're really starting to forge an identity. And that's important. Right, I think a lot of people with the white caps don't when they they're like, well, what is this? Yeah, what is this thing? Right? Yeah. What is this team? What's their goal? What are they doing? What can we latch onto? I think it's a it's a very clever uh, strategy, and you need someone that's going to be able to help you orchestrate it and carry it out. So kudos to Toss. We're going to try and get him on the show. So do you think they are going to lean more into the Canadian angle? Yeah, I do. I think there's something there. It's mm-hmm. unique. I think so, too. I I mean, it might not necessarily work because I don't know if you're going to be able to equate enough talent available to you. Right. Right. Like you're, I mean, all due respect, they're probably not going to make the. But could TFC in Montreal have they, because TFC seems to be like, we're too rich for that. Hoylet mentioned that TFC never called them, like Mm -hmm. specifically. And I think it's probably a source of, you guys are out here spending tens of millions of dollars on these Italian guys that aren't doing a a lick for you in terms of. Do you think the Canadian guys will want to go play for Herdman, though? At TFC? Yeah. Oh, TFC's not, I'm saying. like. TFC, no, I know, yeah. but like, could they change? I mean, they're going to have to change something at TFC, right? It hasn't yeah. been working what they're doing. Well, I mean, That's gonna, why they made that, you know. That's yeah, why well, it's going to be hard it's for them. a disaster. It's going to be hard for them to get some of these guys because three of them just went to Vancouver. And yeah. Then the really high-end guys, Davies, Laren, David, um, Buchanan, and now Alistair Johnson as well going to be for a long time. So I don't know if, I don't know what, Herdman's going to do at TFC. Like, do you tear it down? Do you say how much is he responsible these... for building the team? Like think, he's the manager. I think, I think right? he's being tasked with everything. Right. I think they said, you know what you did with the men's and women's programs, where you basically built it from scratch mm-hmm. and found a group. Go do that here. Are they going to have to ship out a few guys? I would imagine. Yeah. You know, I I don't know how long Insignia and Bernadeschi are for that team in that city. Uh, Juan from Comox, what I learned, this episode needs some footy talk. Well, we just had some. Mm. How about the first day of Champions League, boys? Um, young boys. Young boys. Young the boys. <laughs> they didn't, you're not playing very well. Young Get boys. Out there, play better. 
<laughs> They're not even a German team. I don't know where you guys Whatever. are. Well, <laughs> they speak German in Switzerland, don't they? They speak like sure. five different languages there. You know what? They, they may or may not. It doesn't yeah. matter because the show's over. We don't have to further explain ourselves. Let's go, shall we? Thank you all for listening yet again. We will be back tomorrow unless this young boy's things comes back to haunt us. Signing off, I have been Mike Alfred. He's been Jason Ruff. He's been a dog. He's been Laddie. <laughs> This has, this has been the Young Boys on Sportsnet 650.